0: Welcome back! Another episode of Life with the Dog. My name's Panos. I'm joined by my good brother Luke Badman. Happy New Year, bro! How are Happy you? Happy New
1: Year, uh, start of the year. This is also going to be episode two hundred, which is exciting. Well, we talk about this before. Uh, af- well, should we say officially two hundred? I mean, we've officially got officially two hundred. Yeah, we're good by yeah. the numbers. It's two hundred. There's more than two hundred. You know, files on the on the server. Let's say, um, but we. At a certain point, we 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 like at a certain point we weren't counting all of them or whatever happened. So, anyway, I think it's like two two hundred and seven or something
0: like that. We we (laughs) are officially two hundred at the beginning of twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's a a nice round number. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. Well, um, I hope you've had a good break. And yeah, no, I when I put out the episode last week, um, I apologize for our radio silence, but it was just a December thing. We had things to do, and Mm. time flew by very fast. But I I don't think.
1: yeah, I don't think we're the only podcast that sort of has a few weeks off. If I, I've been looking at my my feed on my podcast app. There's a lot of like recycled episodes, and you know, December's a holiday all over the world. So, exactly.
0: So look, hope, you guys hope had everyone's
1: a break. rested and had I hope a nice checking holiday.
0: their to see have we posted yet? Have we posted yet? I was hoping there was a little bit of of that in between eating all
1: the Christmas food, checking if we're posting episodes.
0: Exactly, but um, but we're back, and um, it's been a good start to the year. I didn't have much of a break in terms of work. I had a little bit of a break here and there, just around the the Christmas and New Year's. But I try to keep my momentum to keep to keep this year be fresh. And something that I mentioned in that podcast as well, um, the last one was, you know, I'm not sure where I heard it, but I heard it somewhere online where New Year's Day starts on Boxing Day mindset, right? Otherwise, you let Christmas Day become Boxing Day, become some New Year's Day. Then before you know it, it takes. Oh, do four- you mean like your momentum for the next year yeah. is that what you mean oh okay i thought and, and you meant mentality
1: like, <laughs> but you know they say like um um from boxing day till new year's day it's like a week of sundays
0: you ever yes. heard that saying it just feels like sunday every day and, and that, and actually another thing that I wanted to um, bring up, it could, it was probably going to be like a, its own episode, but I will mention is that if you, if we allow that, then what happens is it takes so long to just get into a bit of a normality, mm. a bit of a routine. And, mm. and one thing that I, that I missed, and look, I had a few things going on, we had family coming from overseas, so we we're doing lots of different stuff and, mm. you know, so even though that's exciting and nice and, and fruitful. I really want to stay on on the train of yeah of, of working.
1: Momentum is important.
0: Mm. Yeah, otherwise you know January becomes a write off, and then that yep. means December that's like a tenth a of
1: the year really. Well, a bit less, but it's um, a month
0: is a long time. You totally. Know? So um, so that was my mentality, and also you know, like you know, it's um for for some people, you know, it could be a bit more of a tougher time of of um life, especially for working stuff. Yeah. So so you know, and same thing with our training of our dogs. You know, we can we can. Take this into any direction is that you want to keep that momentum. You don't want to be like, yeah, I kind of, you know, la- laid back for a little bit. We went for easy walks and things like that. And now that becomes a little bit more tougher to get onto. Same thing with, like, you know, your exercise journey. I didn't take, I didn't take any days off. I just continued going. And And now today just feels like another day and and we're still fresh and good. So, Mm. um, for anyone that's listening to this and still is um, lazing back and and eating a little bit too much, then get back to it because (laughs) life's not waiting for nobody, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also exciting that me and you are recording at 9.30 in the morning. So, maybe we have a different upbeat or a downbeat. I'm not sure how that is. We'll (laughs) see. You listeners can let us know if we're more upbeat I think
1: Panos is a bit of a night owl, so this might be a little bit hard for him to get up this quote-unquote early.
0: Well, look, I start work at 9.30, so I would be normally starting, but again, talking about routine, I would normally have had that coffee in the car, driving, and then get out of the car, take that deep breath, get to work. That's a bit of a routine that gets you into that mindset. And you know, and and I do talk a lot about routine, structure of a routine. Don't rely on routine too much, but there is rituals, and and again, it is something that I did mention in the last episode. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. Was that, and again, I'm messing with words now. Okay, so I'm you know messing no. with semantics. Is that uh-huh. structure is about doing the things, but not the same time, same place. Routine is about being quite regimented with same time, same place. You want to meet mi- mi- a bit of mix of both, and our dogs like that routine ish or that the the rituals of what we do. If you take too many days off, then it's hard to even remember where you were with your training. What were we doing? Where what happened when we were down the road there? Am I and today we're going to talk about reactivity. So you want to kind of be on top of that. You want to be studying your dog's behavior and and um I went on a tangent there. I don't even know where I talk. Oh yeah, talking about me being fresh right now. Where normally we would do the podcast after eight hours of talking, Mm. and I'm like, oh, well, we'll just continue, even though it's a little bit later. I'm probably more awake at 8.30 at night than I am at 9.30 in the morning. So, um, so whether that's a, a habit that I should change and maybe I should get up a little bit earlier instead of doing my workouts in the evening, I would like to do them in the morning. But I'm just not that person. So, I don't know if I should force it or I should just go with my natural rhythm. And, you know, um, I guess that's something for me to find out throughout life, right?
1: <laughs> well, if they say that um, everyone has a slightly different, Is it, I think they call it, is it chronotype? It's something like that. Some people are just naturally night owls, naturally, you know,
0: um, morning people. Yep. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And and I had a friend who was a PT and he says, no, no, you go with what you- you, if you know you're warm and better in in the evening, then that's when you train. I prefer that.
1: It's funny, eh? Like, I think it's nice to get the training out of the way in the morning. And they say, like, do something hard
0: first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. which is true, but I do prefer training in the arvo. Yeah. I think I get more out of it. I'm more into it. And also, I don't know, yeah, the morning for me is just not my my time. So, so again, you know, you want to pick up your natural patterns, know where your rhythm's at. And I, and that's the, the, the word I was looking for, maybe your rhythm, the rhythm mm-hmm. of the day. And mm-hmm. I actually acknowledged that as well when I went away um, to go visit my sister. And when we came back, that I could tell Spades in particular liked Obviously he likes it when I come back home, but Mm -hmm. when we left the house and he's like, oh, yeah, we're doing doing the normal walk again, Mm -hmm. even though the normal walk's never the same or go in the same place, like, you know, we're always switching it up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same as when grandma was walking him. Grandma probably had him on the lead. She took him for like an hour and a bit of a walk. I'm like, Spades can't walk that long anymore. So she's like, He's a bit slow. We walked all the way to Ramsgate. I'm like, Oh my god, don't do that. So um, so I think it was a bit happier to have a bit more off leash time. So I mm-hmm. think the dogs and even people we like our rhythm. It could work for us, and it can also work against you. You know, if you're if you're feeling good in a certain rhythm, you you're comfortable, and growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. So, you know, it is a bit of a, a balance that. You need to juggle, especially if you're a business owner, you know, and you're you're a father or you're a mother, and then you're an owner, you know, all these different things. It's it's hard to um, be out of a rhythm when you need to tend to so many things. But again, Mm. you do the same thing over and over again, you're doing the same stuff. So, do you like who you are? Keep doing it. If you don't like who you are, then change it up a bit. I heard this saying, it was um,
1: people don't decide their future, they decide their habits, and then their habits decide their future, so... I think I like that's something that. you could probably apply to dogs as well, you know, in terms of the dog yeah. training. It's like, well, you want to do X, Y, Z with your dog. It's Like, well, what's the smallest possible step that you could take towards that every day and make that a habit, and yep. then over time that just compounds, and then you just you just
0: arrive at that destination, right? Definitely, hundred percent. Well, in that, it, well, in, in saying that, where and the topic today would be where to begin. Your training schedule or your training routine, if you have a dog that shows reactive behavior, reactive behavior would be barking, lunging, growling. And, and usually we talk about reactivity as a negative thing, something that isn't something that we like because mm-hmm. your dog's reactive. If you walk down the street and a bird flies past, your dog looks at it, then he reacted to a stimulus. By definition, yeah definition he's reactive but reactive would be he wants to chase and bark and he's doing undesirable stuff at the end of the lead which is something that you wish to change so before we talk about fixing it let's try to identify what reactivity is when it comes to people dogs or other animals so we'll talk more about organic things rather than you know reacting to just the environment like habituation Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. in terms of socialization if you have a dog that's barking or lunging, at another thing it's either because your dog's defensive he's scared and he's trying to push the thing away it's either he's in prey and prey predation would mean that he wants that thing to get closer so he wants to chase that rabbit he wants to chase the the bird because he wants it closer or he's frustrated because he wants to engage with the thing the person the dog or whatever is over there and he gets frustrated he's and vocalizing then he acts, yeah. and then you vocalize he acts out so now, sometimes prey and frustration are kind of linked. Like, you know, they, they, they're they kind of the same, but not all mm. the time. See, a dog can be, you know, see a cat and, you know, have this, ah, wah, 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 like this this immediacy, this urgency to get to it. And then he gets to it and then he kills it <laughs> compared to frustration where maybe a dog likes cats because he lives with cats. He likes to play with cats or hang out and he gets frustrated. You take him close to the cat and then he like, Oh, cool! I'm here now, and then he just does some social behaviors. So obviously, within prey, there is frustration, or maybe even within defense, he they're feeling frustrated as well because they're still not getting what they want. Mm. But but defense is is leads more towards aggression. Aggression is the defensive behavior to keep your dog safe. Where prey is that he wants to eat something. So and typically our dogs don't really eat the prey; they get to it, they get to it just and kill they're like, it. And then like now, what do I do with it? Um, yeah, they could either kill it, they chase it, and they don't know what to do. Chili ran up to the the rat when we were walking a couple months ago, and it was a sick rat, so it wasn't very fast. And as Chili got really close to it, he stopped. The rat stopped, and then Chili just stared at it and then looked at me and stared at it and just stared at it. And he's like, "So what do I do now?" So each dog will have a different expression. So we have different types of dogs will have a different um, expression. And even dogs within the same group, within the same type, will still have a different behavior. So, terriers will typically run up to that thing and just kill it. Yeah, we used to have a – before Fudge, before Chloe,
1: um, we had a – she was like an Aussie – no, sorry, Yorkshire terrier, I think. Oh, yeah. silky, little fluffy little terrier thing, and she used to – Uh, there was at least one occasion where she killed a blue tongue in the backyard. Oh, yeah. And, and she didn't bring it in the house or anything. She did like, she killed it. Actually, she just maimed it and she came into the house covered in blood. Mum was like, what the hell? And dad went outside and there's a blue tongue, poor, poor little guy, you know, lying on the grass, like
0: not in a good way. So dad Mm -hmm. had to, you know, put him out of his misery. But it happens, right? And, And that's why we had those dogs, right? So we can keep the property clean of different rodents and pests and things like that. So what we see from these behaviors, and it's kind of sad when you think about it, if the dog's scared and he barks at the person, the person goes away, he now feels reinforced for doing the behavior. Well, he is reinforced because the thing did go away. So now the dog thinks that he has this illusion of control of the environment. And on top of that, it's a frustrating behavior. We get really pissed off with it and it's very hard to get our dogs out and about and do things because our dog is like lunging at other people, potentially about to bite them. So it's sad in the fact that your dog's feeling, you know, that threatened. Mm. And on top of that, it's it's sad for the person because if you don't know what to do, it's frustrating and it's it's like, I didn't even get a dog for this. Why am I even having to do all of this stuff? Can't I just take the dog to the park and throw the ball and have a, have a good time? So, So a few things on the human side of this that, that we'll discuss is, if you acquire the dog knowing he's reactive, different situation than if you had a dog as a puppy or a new dog, and then he developed sort of reactive behavior. Because if the dog develops the behavior without you realizing, or you acquire the dog without knowing he had reactive behavior, now your whole life with your dog is based around this reactivity almost, mm. and 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 then it becomes You're so like, oh, this isn't what I thought I was getting into. Yeah. And then also people feel, they feel bad if they're not- Quick for the like for the time effort energy and they don't have enough of a skill set and resources to 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 get some good training, then now either the dog suffers or the people suffer or both, and. And and it's just people just get lost, and that's what I basically see every single day. When um people are like I don't even know what to do anymore. I can't. I used to go places, and now people run across. I have to run across the road. I have yeah. To go it's at sad eh? if they don't have the skill set or the confidence to do that. It's you know. I Or feel even for worse, them. even worse. When I saw a client the other day, it was her. I was her fourth or fifth trainer. Um, it's usually three, four, or five, right? Then by the time they see me, somehow. So um. And it's such a similar situation. So, I'll talk about a couple of them. One of them was um, a lady with Kelpie. Her dog um, has bitten people. So, he's not reactive, but he's aggressive. So, again, remember when the dog makes physical contact with their teeth onto onto a person or a dog and they have made that physical contact, whether they've broken skin or not, that is aggressive mm. behavior. We don't call it a nip or a, and it is a bite, but it's not a nip. It's mm. a bit so that he can get an outcome. A dog would nip you, maybe out of prey, like a, like a Kelpie or, or a cattle dog may nip you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that could just be because a dog's all psyched up and razzed up and just mm-hmm. kind of just acts out. And then you have mouthing where the dog just comes and starts mouthing on you and just like soft biting on you and he's playing with you. Mm-hmm. So, they're all different. So, um, so what, with this particular lady, it's actually the opposite to what is normally the case. She's seen these other three or four people and- none of them taught her what a marker was to use food it was all just very old school type of training where typically what we see these days is if i've seen somebody who's seen multiple trainers before me it's usually a positive only type of approach we've done the meds we've done the positive only we've done Mm -hmm. this and that throw the cookies on the floor and all this sort of shit and it's not working we've now decided to come to see Mm -hmm. see you so so it it could be frustrating especially when you spend all this money and seeing so many people and now not getting any results, like what the hell is going on? Mm. Because dealing with this sort of behavior, reactivity and aggression, it's it's hard because you you need heaps of experience to understand what you're looking at, you know, um, how much are you willing to put anyone at risk, yourself and others? Mm. So you need to have that confidence. And also it has to become um, something that you've you're willing to mess up so you can get better at. And that's the biggest problem, I think, for trainers is that, oh, I don't know if I want to mess it up and, like, make it worse. But if you're not willing to risk that, especially when you are start, like, where do you start when it comes to that sort of behavior? There's and no
1: perfect person. way to start.
0: There's no perfect way to start except for, it, and, like, and, again, if you're feeling hesitant to, like, go out there and, like, charge people to, to deal with that, which I would say, yeah, you probably should get some experience and where do you get it. And mm. I think, you know, dealing with rescue dogs, um, shelter dogs, and maybe friends or family or neighbors so you can it kind of like on. Pr- yep. practice, you know, and start slow. There's no expectation. You're helping your friend out. You know, let me just try these things, see if they work and then trial and error things, you know, and I think well, rather than rocking up, Paying the cash, uh, receiving the cash, and now having this expectation you got to fix the dog tonight. Some people will go over the top and they'll flat flatten the dog out. All right. Br- okay. The dog doesn't like people. Cool. Bring me the dog and put him on the slip lead and I'll flatten him out, make sure he does not reacting towards me. Now look how good he is. And I don't think that's really work. That doesn't work for the future. Mm. What we want to do is we want to build the dog up and have a good set of fundamentals? Can the dog focus and engage on us? Does the dog have clarity? Does he does he, does he he follow a lure? You know, does he know how to sit down, come and go to his bed? And not that, and, and this is what I wanted to kind of uncover a little bit is that if you're working with react, and again, a lot of people may disagree with me here too, is that if you're working with reactivity and doing behavior modification, you need an element of obedience training within your behavior modification for any of it to work because obedience training is essentially you communicating to the dog for your dog to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Sit down, lay down, come when I call you, walk on a loose leash. Like if you don't have those things, how are you going to have your dog to be calm and relaxed around other dogs? Now you can do behavior modification without obedience training, but when it comes to working with clients and their dogs and everyday people, it just, it just doesn't make sense to not have any obedience. Um, now, not to, now when a video I put up on my Instagram a couple uh, weeks ago with a shepherd, and again, this lady seen, I think, two or three other trainers. And a lot of the time was that they were working with um, loose lead walking, get the dog to focus. But there was, but, her, but the dog couldn't hold the sit. The dog couldn't like look pop out her. of it. Don't even like just sit and just get back up, sit and get mm. back up, sit spin around, sit over here, sit over there. And there's, like, there's no clarity. And I think what helped her significantly within that session was when you tell your dog to sit, she has to hold that sit. So if she gets up, you can just apply some pressure, tell the dog to sit. Now she actually didn't react at all within the session. So there was no ill behavior that I witnessed. We weren't, we were only around Chile and Chile doesn't give off the dodgy vibes. So I guess she didn't feel re, um, defensive. So she didn't mm. react. Now she was upset. She goes, I want the reaction. I want you to see it. And I said to her, that always happens. Yeah. You want to see the good behaviors when I'm around you, you don't, but I do understand you want to see the shit behavior so we can show you how to correct it. But more importantly, what we're trying to do here is make the dog feel good, confident, confident enough that she doesn't have to react. And if you can now start to tell the dog what to do and how to feel, like what to do and how to act, you're then starting to change how she feels. And then the next walk would be easier and more, and then you set her up for success and then we can kind of go down this route. So so you need some fundamentals. So go back to listen to our marker training. Just type in marker in... um in your um, podcast app, listen to what a marker is, understand Pavlovian conditioning. It's also called um, classical conditioning. So understand how to use that marker. So another person, uh, another client I want to refer to, I just saw over the weekend, her dog, um, Staffy, he's probably around, like, say, a year, year and a half old. And she was in the park when the dog was around six months old. No previous dodgy experience prior to this. And a child jumped out the bush and, like, ran up to him or was on a bike or something and mm. freaked him out. And then now since then, anyone wearing a flowing dress or a child in particular, he would just, like, lunge and bark at. Oh, dear. So, um, so obviously, concerning, concerning for my client and also concerning for the dog because he feels dodgy. And more importantly, more concerning for children that walk past that dog. So. Um. Obviously, we got him off the harness. Harness encourages dogs to pull on the end of the leash. Number two, but is Panos out.
1: wasn't it a no pull harness?
0: <laughs> Have you, you seen it?
1: the no pull harness? It, it the ad said the dog will not pull into this harness
0: with a bungee lead too. By the way,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. The bungee lead that's also no pull.
0: Yeah, you gotta love that. Give me um, a break. So so let's let's talk about that. Some people maybe like know exactly what we're about to say right now. Others would be like, "What are you talking about? I thought a no pull harness was the way to go." Well. Let's break that down real quick. A no-pull harness is a lead that attaches to the chest part of the harness. When you pull the dog towards you, the dog will will be pulled off balance and it will discourage him from pulling. A bit of negative reinforcement, a bit of pressure until you get the right behavior will show the dog not to pull on the leash. I typically use harnesses for dogs under six months old. For a five-month-old German Shepherd, a front clip harness can work until he's got his adult teeth. He's a little bit more cognitive. He understands what's going on around him around that six, six and a half months. We whack a slip lead or a martingale collar on, typically a slip lead, and now we control the dog's head and we can um, we can use a lot less pressure to get more um, more control from our dog. But more importantly, we want to be able to communicate and manage our dog properly. Having a collar up high on the dog's neck gives me that leverage and control with a lot less pressure, more clarity and more effectiveness because even if I have to do give a correction to a dog if I don't care how a dog feels if I'm walking down the street and a dog lunges at a dog at, at a child I'm pulling that dog back at a bare minimum I'm gonna put like pull up on the lead and like turn around and make space I may even have to correct the dog most likely I'm gonna give a punishment to the dog to be like hey dude I don't care how you feel in that moment you can't jump at the at the child again circumstances are important every circumstance will be different so this isn't like dog scared of kids. Give dog correction. Well, if the dog was red zoning it, like completely over threshold, has no ability to see what's happening around him. I wouldn't put him in a situation where he's going to have a kid jump at him. I would wait for him to understand how to deal with stress and how to overcome it, how to focus on me and how to follow some rules before I would go anywhere close to a child. So there's quite a few different things that are happening here, and we're going to bring it all in a full circle. So um, so with his dog, he reacts towards a child. And again, I haven't, I've seen him stare at a kid and I've seen him do like a low growl, but I haven't seen the lunge. But what's, what's all, oh, back to the harness real quick. So dog on the harness and the biggest problem, especially when it comes to reactivity, is that you can't control that dog's head if the dog's got the harness, whether it's clipped on the back of the chest. You pull him away, even if you turn around and pull him the opposite direction, his head would just swivel around and stare at the thing still. And also they can get out of him very easily and that sucks. And on top of all of that, Everyone wants the dog to feel good mm. on the harness so he doesn't choke. But nobody talks about the human being and how much pressure their shoulder has to has to endure, um, their hips and their state of mind and, and their physical health. Like no one's talking about how the human feels. We're only talking about how the dog feels. And I think that's kind of ridiculous. We're human beings. We want to be looking after humans as well as dogs. So um, now, again, if you just get a slip lead, listening to this, tomorrow you grab a slip lead and you whack it on your dog, you're probably going to butcher it. There's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be done. Um, so if you, if you are interested, check out my YouTube channel, just type in slip lead on Nooch's Pooches. And then it gives you an introduction of like how to put the slip lead on. There's a right way and the wrong way. There's only two ways, a right and the wrong way of putting it on. And then you want to introduce some leash pressure. You want to show the dog how to respond to the leash and, um, and find success with, with, um, with yielding to pressure. We need to teach the dog how to yield to pressure and not just yank and crank and bang him around. Just teach the dog that it's. How to turn it off. It's in his best interest
1: to, to to follow it, not to fight it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so if I was going to put a 2 out of 10 pressure in one direction, the dog will probably resist it a little bit, so he'll go opposite to that pressure. As soon as he takes one or two steps in the direction I'm pulling, I relax the pressure, I mark it, and I feed him. So, there the dog starts to realize, oh, okay, I follow the leash and good things happen. Once you start doing that, teach him how to walk on a loose leash in your house and in your driveway and at the front of your house, then we can start working on, all right, so, like the next thing, part of our fundamentals is now, can you focus on me? So, what I love to do is work on either the look command. Look command is a behavior we teach our dog when I say look, he has to stare into our eyes until we tell him to stop looking at us. Or I'll say the dog's name for the dog to check in and engage with us. Now, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is oh, actually, in fact, I'm going to say this, and I learned this from when Dave was, um, um, Dave from Pro Dog forgot his last name. Sorry, bro. Um was Ma- Mikkel, on? M- Mikkel Mackelson, I think. Jeez. I remember because I
1: mispronounced oh. it. I <laughs> it, it it's uh, something
0: for sure. I'll find I'm it. Still getting wrong. it wrong. Sorry, Dave. Dave from Pro Dog, awesome. So when he, when he's talked about a the look behavior is a focus is you're the dog to focus on you. That is a behavior. Saying your dog's name is getting your dog's engagement. And the big difference there, and I've been thinking about this since he mentioned that, and I thought it was really cool. And, again, I probably have been doing some of this, but I didn't know purposely that I was doing it, is that if I've got a dog next to me and he knows, look, I say, look, he stares into my eyes until I tell him, either I feed him or I tell him, okay, to release him. If I tell him to look and he doesn't look, I can tell him, hey, you need to do that behavior. Just like if I told the dog to sit and he doesn't sit, I'm going to make him sit. by.
1: Otherwise, what's the point of what's? Otherwise, what does the – what does – What does that word mean to that dog? It means nothing, or it means hear the word and do nothing.
0: That, as well as and comparing it to his name, is that if I say the dog's name, I'm not going to punish him for not looking at me, because I fail to get him engaged with me. Engagement is mindset, and the the look is a behaviour. So the difference there is if if someone said to me, let's just say we're on a work site together, and I've gone. Hey Luke, focus on what I'm saying here. This needs to be X, Y, and Z. Hey, 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 focus. Listen to me, man. Mm. This is what needs to happen. Compared to we're in a normal conversation after work, we're not working, and I'm talk like we're I'm I'm like, hey Luke, um, I had you know, you know, and I'm starting to tell you a story or something, and you just like fully just disengage and walk away from me. I can't, I shouldn't really get you in trouble for not focusing. I'm just not fun enough for you to want to engage with me. Yeah. Compared to if I said, hey, listen, like you gotta listen to me. If it's a work environment or whatever. Yeah. So like let's just say when your wife, like maybe a wife and like a spouse could be a better example. If your wife's talking and you just walk away from your wife (laughs) an uninteresting conversation. That could be trouble. Yeah. And you get in trouble for not for not being interested in that conversation, it's like that's kind of annoying. What you're getting me in trouble for not finding you engaging, that's like a you problem, not a me problem. You need to be more engaging for me to engage with you. Mm. compared to, hey, listen to what I'm saying, focus on what I'm saying. This is what I need to do. Okay, so let's bring it back to dogs. I've got the dog here and I've gone, chilly. And he's like, hey, what are you doing, dad? Like that's because I'm fun enough and I've built a relationship that he wants to engage with me. We're engaged together. Engagement is not focus. Focus is I need your full attention. We're not playing but I'm asking you to do the thing. So, anyway, so the, the difference would be if I'm walking down the street and I say my dog's name and he fully checks me out, I need to go back to the back cave and focus. Checks and out work. on you, you mean? Yeah, what would I say? Checks me out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> dog, my dog checks <laughs> me out. Um, <laughs> see what happens in the morning? No. So, um, so yeah, so he, he checks out. He's like, whatever, you're not that interesting. I'm staring at the thing in the distance. Then you need to work on your engagement. So, your engagement training would be about – and uh, that's how I love to use the name game, a little tiny tap on the leash, not because a tap like, hey, you must do it, a tap to get the dog in, into drive, to check in on you, to stare, like to look in your direction and to start playing the game. Hey, guys,
1: it's Luke. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment out of the podcast to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, obviously, we don't just do this show just to hear our own voices. We love the fact that you guys take the time out of your day to listen to our episodes each and every week. And on that note, if you are enjoying it, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave us a review or a rating on your favorite podcast listening app. So whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could hit pause on this episode and, and go and leave a review or a rating on the platform that you're listening into, we'd really appreciate it. It helps other people like yourself find the podcast. Uh, and helps us to reach more listeners and, and hopefully grow the show and grow the community around it. So we'd really appreciate it if you could, and thanks for listening.
0: We play the game of luring, play the game of tug, and then we start doing this outside in the world. I'm walking down the street. Hey, Chilly, tap, tap, tap. Yeah, what's up, man? Boom, we start playing. So then when I say my dog's name, he's like, what are we going to do? What's happening? Yeah. Compared to if I said, Chilly, watch, and watches his command, it means look into my eyes. So, the difference would be another example I like to use, especially at group class. I'm walking down the street and there's a dog behind the fence barking. I have two things I can say to my dog for him to look at me. I could tell him, watch. And if I said watch and he's still looking at the dog, I would pop the leash and go, hey, watch. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I have to look at you. It's It's not a request. It's not a request. And also, I'm telling you to look at me, like I'm telling Hmm. you. So, there's a consequence for not doing it. If I walk past that house, same dog, and I go chilly and my dog doesn't find me interesting to look at, then I can't go, hey, dickhead, look at me. That would be telling him to stare at you, but you're not going, hey, find me engaging. If I try mm. to go, hey, chilly, and I start correcting him, he's like, I don't like him when you say my name. Actually, in fact, I don't even want to engage with you. You're not that fun. You're not that exciting. I don't see you as a leader, so I don't have anything that I need from you right now. I need to deal with this thing over there. So, so, think about that if you're with your spouse or with your friends and they don't find you that interesting and halfway through your story, they just cut you off and talk about other things. You can get mad at them, but they won't listen out of respect. They'll just listen because it's like, let's just avoid this situation, but they don't, they st- they probably won't hang out with you next time. Compared to if you're funny and you've built a relationship and you start talking and everyone's listening, now you've engaged with them. Compared mm. to if I was a boss going, everyone, stop what you're doing and listen to me right now. And if you're not going to listen to me, get the hell out of here and never come back again. Mm. That's a that's a different situation. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. So we walk down the street and I do the name game. I walk back, tap the dog's lead very lightly, a half out of 10, say the dog's name, dog looks at me, I mark it, I run back, we start playing the fun game. Again, Nutris Pooches on YouTube, type in name game, there's me explaining it there. So I play this game so that I can be more exciting, I can start to create more of a relationship between me and the dog. I would probably not do this only when I see other things that my dog gets worried about or gets reactive over i would do this just randomly so that way there when i do need it my dog's like hey what are we gonna do Mm. so um and then i'll be practicing the look as a separate thing along with good loose leash walking dog walking the left hand side doesn't pull on the leash stops when you stop sit when you say sit holds a sit until you release You can't do any of that on a harness. If a dog breaks a sit, you can put as much pressure as you want on that harness. Into what?
1: Into his shoulder, like between his shoulders and do anything. There's There's, no
0: directional force. Exactly. And it's not aversive enough for him to try to escape it. He's just going to jump around and carry on. Mm. Then you can push push his butt on the ground, which then means that's more clunky as well. And it's just, it's all kind of- Which
1: I guess is kind of the point, right? By the people who subscribe to that kind
0: of training. Exactly. And hence why I wouldn't put a young puppy on a collar and expect them to be obedient. That would yeah. be like unfair. So um, so using the right tools and searching for the right person who knows how to use the tools, they can teach you how to do that. Because again, if you like, and I've said this heaps of times, how many people come to a martial art dojo and go, I want to learn a spinning back elbow. And it's like, dude, how about you learn footwork first, learn mm-hmm. how to slip and move learn how to do a jab a jab and a cross. learn how to do low kicks and then Mm -hmm. eventually you can learn you know after you know a couple of years of training that here we're going to do a spinning back elbow and you may need this in the fight we don't look for it in the fight it just happens in the fight Mm -hmm. but again it is an elaborate nice looking technique so we all want that just like how many people want their dog to do what Chili does in for his tricks and his commands, but can't even hold a sit for thirty-five seconds? So you know you need to prioritize where you're at. You want understanding and clarity and good communication prior to asking your dog to behave, whatever that means. And um, are we I, I, have have I jumped around too much, or am I on track?
1: No, I think no more than usual.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> more than we usually do on one of these episodes. Beautiful, I love it. So. So that's what you want to start off with. Also, you want to be able to see: Can your dog behave in a certain way that you want? Hold a sit, focus on you. You know, follow a lure. Can your dog do that? Not in the presence of the trigger. If you can, if you can't get it with without the trigger around, how are you going to get it when the trigger is around? It okay, mm-hmm. makes no sense. So before I get into into this, I wanted to um just go over the layered stress model that Jay Jack um created. And we had him on the show. He was awesome. Definitely go back and listen to that episode. Is that at the bottom, bottom of this pyramid, like at the top of the pyramid, sorry, is your trigger. This is a dog reacts to children. But at the bottom of this pyramid, you need to check out on health. He's a dog in sound health. If he's, un- if he's unwell, he's not feeling good, He's um, he's got a bad back, he's got a headache, whatever it is, then um, then how is he going to be the best version of he- of himself? um there's that as well as on top of the health um layer i'm just i've I've said this like a billion times but right now that i'm recording myself i'm going to make sure i'm pulling up the layer stress model so i don't actually say the wrong thing oh actually see i've already said it wrong um so we have right at the bottom is the base the base is your communication basic understanding between beings so does your dog understand what you're trying to say to them then you have health psychological effects you know acute or chronic issues is your dog actually sick or, um, or, or unhealthy, because if he's had diarrhea for the last couple of days, he's limping, and then he sees a trigger, he's going to re- react 10 times more than if he was in a good state. Then on top of that, you have lifestyle. So biologically appropriate lifestyle. Are you fulfilling your dog? Are you giving your dog exercise, activities, social interactions, etc.? Then you have clarity on top of that, understanding the environment. What are the rules, the parameters of the interaction? Predict the outcomes of active of actions. Does your dog have that clarity? Then you have the leash. Avoiding frustration, so communication tool, a restraint device, how are you using your leash? Does your leash represent going for a big fun holiday walk and you jack your dog up way, way, way high up in in the arousal level where he's Mm. like super psyched and he now encounters a thing and then with that energy and his fear or, or overexcitement or predation kicks into this behavior? So you want to kind of keep that leveled. And on top of that, you have the triggers, the last straw, things that set the dog off that makes them blow up. So that's why a lot of the times when we have the dog and we do some stuff in the house, introducing what the marker is and luring and sitting down and coming in bed, it's like, all right, cool. You're going to do that in the background because this is what your dog would need. Even if I came to your house and your dog has no reactivity, I would say all dogs need to know certain behaviors. Go to your bed, come when I call you, lay down. Those are the three most important commands I think all dogs should know anyway, so let's practice that. Then by the time we do that, the dog's starting to get tired and, like, you know, fulfilled. Then we put the leash on, we show him how to walk with the leash, and we get to the front door, and we tell him, sit at the door now. We open the door. We Don't run out the door. Hold your sit. Basic obedience stuff, right? But doing this keeps your dog under threshold. We keep him at, like, a 5 out of 10, not leaving the house an 8 or 9 out of 10. So we can keep him, at like, a underneath the threshold. So as soon as we leave the, the house we're in the front yard, he may creep up to a six. We work around the, the front yard. Again, most people don't do any training in their front yard. Nothing happens in their front yard. It's a transitional space where your dog goes from zero to 100. So go into the front yard, practice your training, and in the random days, go back inside and continue life. Don't show your dog lead always means we're going to go out and see bad things or over-exciting things. Go out in the front yard, practice your training, come back in. So that way, they you're starting to get into a bit of a routine. I would go out in the front there and be like, hey, when you see a, per- a dog across the road and you want to react to the dog, can you check in on me? Um, if you can't, then we have to work on that. Again, you don't go out into the street until you can get it there. Then once we've got good behavior, especially around some dr- triggers at a good critical distance, then we can work out onto the um, onto full path. And then we slowly, slowly build this up. The reason why I wanted to do this is because like this episode today is because people say, hmm, I want to work on my reactive behavior. Every time I go to Cronulla Esplanade, my dog freaks out at every single dog. Now, people that don't know what Cronulla Esplanade is, is that it's like Cronulla is like a big main beach in Sydney, and the Esplanade is the big walkway along the beach. Mm. And you'll see easily, people, like on, a lot of dogs. Yes. Yeah, in, one, in one hour of a walk, you'd easily walk past 50 to 100 dogs. Easy, like, e- easy, easy. And it's a very narrow space. It is not the place to practice your reactivity. To dogs. Not the first time, no. No, not not day one, right? But But it is a place that I like to meet my clients so that we can... It's often a goal, right? It's often a goal of theirs, yeah. Exactly. And it's different to like a group class setting. So, one thing I've realized about group class, group class is awesome. It works really well. However, the dog knows where they're going. They rock up to the same place. Mm. They know what, what they're going to expect, especially if they've come more than once. Then they're like, all right, cool. This is what we do here. Yeah, they're going to improve, but it's different than when they see a dog randomly walking down the street. So I acknowledge that there's differences between group classes and the actual real world. But, um, but in saying that, I'm going to define the critical distance real quick. Critical distance is the distance and the space between your dog and the trigger. And outside the critical distance, dog has no reaction. So the dog can see a dog at 20 meters, not react. But at 15-meter gap between dog and dog, dog, your dog starts to blow up. Now we know what the critical distance is, just outside that 15 meters. Our job is to get our dogs focused on us and to get reliable, good, calm behavior, whatever the goal is, so that the dog's at an appropriate critical distance. I would say a meter, a meter and a half is kind of a good critical distance. Um, It would be nice if it was zero, but not all the time we have the opportunity and the time, and also the desire, maybe, to have our dogs to like play with other dogs. If your dog, your goal may be, hey, look, I don't care if my dog doesn't play with dogs. I just want to walk down the street and come back home and go to work. You know what I mean? Most people mm-hmm. have pretty simple simple goals, but we have complicated remedies because it's complicated. Because your dog has its own agenda. You can learn skills, but you need to teach now your dog what those skills are, so that your dog now can adopt the minds like he's got his own things going on in his head he's not just wedded to what we want all the time so so it's important that we um give the dog the illusion of control just like we talked about in the conditioning episode we have feelings feelings become thoughts thoughts become actions you want to control the masses control their feelings not their thoughts thoughts are easy it's it's two
1: yeah it's two different sides of the brain
0: yeah, I want the feeling. I want you to feel a certain way because you'll beg for the rules. And if you can beg for the rules, baby, I'll give you those rules because I've got you now. So compared to, you know, um, physically trying to control the masses by using sticks and weapons, you're just going to get a lot of pushback, you get a lot of conflict, and then also it's not a healthy society. So um, I don't think it's healthy by manipulating everybody either, but there has to be a bit of both. A little bit of a balance of, well, you can't just run up to a cop and grab his gun because you'll probably get – Hopefully, get the gun first and shoot you. Um, you can't just go around and, and be crazy. But you also should be able to express yourself, um, you know, reasonably so with your thoughts and opinions. And, again, in this current climate, not all the time we can do that um, because, you know, there's consequences and being censored and whatever. So um, whole other conversation. But when it comes to dogs, I want to make sure that the dog, that it's his idea to do the things. So we're going to talk a little bit. Actually, no, before I get into counter-conditioning and desensitization, because that's exactly what we need to do to start to start this process of solving the reactivity issue, is that if you don't have some of these fundamentals down pat right from the beginning… How can you do any of this stuff? You know, like it's just so hard. Unless you have like a low level reactive dog, you put a slip lead on, you walk down the street, dog barks at the kid, you're like, oh, you knock it off. And you give him a pop on the leash. The dog's like, what the fuck was that? And then you walk past the kid again, uh uh-uh, uh, and the dog's like, oh man, don't correct me. And then before you know it, dog's like, I don't have to bark at kids. Oh, this is awesome. And then before you know it, we haven't got a problem. That is an easy fix. A lot of the times, that's as easy as it is. It's not super complicated, it's not super um, dramatic. But that's not fixing the problem. What's going to fix the problem is teaching people how to make your dog feel a certain way. So, um, and the reason, another reason why, um, this episode was triggering me is that with my client, with the same dog that was lunging, at kids only saw her on the weekend, is that she'd be messaging me. We'd been like kind of in contact. And she's like, oh, like, you know, I don't know where to begin. Like, I didn't know where to begin. And I've had dogs my whole life, but they've been backyard dogs. And like, now I'm trying to do the right thing. But, you know, I feel bad for my dog and all this sort of stuff. And she goes, and and I said to her, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. Now, in session one, she felt confused, which is kind of normal. I could talk a lot. I can give quite a bit of homework. And I also know that in my session one, I'm trying to give you fundamental stuff that doesn't look obvious that it's going to fix us down the track. But I say just. Make sure you're practicing these techniques. Then we um we were in session two the other day, and um, and just as simple as we walk, okay. So we walked um at the sailing club at San Susie, we just come around the corner and this um, and as soon as we came around the corner, five kids are like, dog, and just like sprinted to Ronnie, the dog. And then um my client's like, What the hell? So then she steps back, tap, tap, tap. On the leash, says his name. Ronnie checks in on her. Boom, she rewards. Boom, she rewards. She starts playing some luring. She made some space. I told them, told the kids, the dog's aggressive. You can't touch a dog, and I kind of gave him a bit of a word on, like, try not to run up to a dog's. Ask first, you know, giving a bit of street education to the kids. Um, and then, then we will continue in a walk. She, the the dog saw another kid on a scooter. Looked like wide eyed. Like what the hell. And then she marks it, so she says yes immediately when she he makes eye contact with the kid, his head swivels back at her, and she feeds. And I had to explain to her again: we're trying to make the dog feel a certain way. We don't want him to just look at us and not lunge. I want him to go, oh my god, the presence of kids may mean I get food, but if I do, like if I break the rules or lunge at the kid, then she's going to correct him and tell him you're not allowed to do that. Though, but I'm not going to put you in a shitty situation where a kid's touching you and then I correct you. That would be craziness. Mm. Actually, in fact, in that moment, if I had a kid touching him and he's like growling about to bite, I wouldn't punish him because now I'm adding more conflict to a conflicting situation. Now I'm just going to- You're go confusing, work. yeah. Yeah. I would pull him back, certainly. I'd push the kid away um, and I'll <laughs> do, do something, but I wouldn't punish him and say, never, ever do that because that just makes no sense to the dog, even though it seems like a tempting thing to do, right? Because you're embarrassed, just scared, You're like, you're horrified that your dog can do this to a child. And then she says to me, "It's like, the children, they're five years old. And I I say, yeah, you're rationalizing it as a human about your little humans. We're going to, like most people, most people would save a child and put their own life at risk to save a child. That's just Mm -hmm. human spirit, I think. But dogs don't give a shit about kids. <laughs> they just say little mini kids running around, being erratic, being chaotic, it freaks them out, and um, and dogs generally don't like that shit. So, you know, we have to have a bit of perspective, right? So, um, so counter-conditioning. Conditioned response is lunge at thing, dog, person, whatever. Again, right now we're talking about defensiveness. Counter-conditioning would be look at me, get some sort of focus on you, mark and reward, or in the presence of the stimulus that your dog's going to react towards marking the behavior when you see a desirable behavior not like crazy behavior if your dog's barking 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 and you mark it you could, you could be rewarding the barking not always but you mm. could be so um but if your dog just happens to look at it and it's like oh, what the hell bark it and then reward then you're going to start to get this counter-conditioned response which is walking down the street ronnie sees the kid and it immediately goes hey ma and then looks at her boom and she rewards so i was explaining that to her this is what counter we're trying to flip his feeling of when he sees that thing. Mm. And now to somebody who's never heard this before, this was session two, so it was a bit easier to explain. I had to try to explain it enough that she understood it, that she can apply the technique, but not for it to be an expert, that she becomes a dog trainer. I just wanted her to know why we're doing it. Because if you don't know the why, you're not going to do it. Simple as that. So um, so then she messaged me a couple of days later. and She goes, I went to Cronulla, walking down the street. A kid came out of nowhere. Um, he kind of growled, so she tapped the lead, tell him to knock it off. But then, as soon as she kind of like gives some feedback through the leash, it wasn't a big correction from what she was saying, but she kind of like nagged it a little bit. And then he like looks at her, she rewarded. She looked at the kid, looked back at her, she rewarded. He looked at the kid, looked back at her, and then she she goes, Oh my God, this is hilarious. It's so funny. And then she goes, And actually, in fact, now the things that would normally, and I could pull up the message. The things that would normally make him freak out, now he's actually looking at her, but she would sometimes reward, because I instructed her, once he's doing this reliably, only then reward randomly when he starts to offer looking back at you when he says otherwise rewarding too often, and then one day stop rewarding it, the behavior will stop, he'll go back to shitty behavior. So, rewarding randomly keeps his dog in anticipation. Now that she's scrapped the harness, got him on a slip lead, more better control yeah, and, and communication and clarity... Now everything's starting to fall into place. She's feeling better. She's going out more places. She's doing all this stuff. And this is now how we start to kind of snowball effect. Now it doesn't mean, and another problem that can happen for people that are probably at this level, yeah, we've been doing well. It's been about three, four weeks. Um, Now it's either you revert back to some dodgy behaviours or you don't continue this practice to the next level, or you forget to do stuff and then you just kind of blow it off. So you gotta be real pragmatic about it, set your dog up for success. And it may even, oh, and on, also another thing is if your dog starts going back a few steps, you go back a few steps too. Know the whole process. Yeah, progress Pro- isn't
1: linear, right? That's the whole point. It's like it doesn't look like this, it looks like a squiggly line.
0: It goes up, it goes down, it goes back, it goes forth. Like, it's so, so cool you said that because one of my clients, She's probably listening. She um, was doing really well with a Kelpie. And then, um like, really well, dog was chasing cars. Now, see, this dog is in a different situation. Now, this dog is in prey and frustrated. So he sees a car and he just wants to chase the wheels because yeah. he's in predation. He wants to, like, chase the spinning spokes of the car. And he's like, yeah, let's chase these things. What an idiot. Um, he sees other dogs because he gets frustrated. He wants to go and say hi to him, Hi to them. We're telling him no. So he barks and carries on. And same with people, too. So she was doing really well. Everything was going well. But then, and she even messaged me saying, Everything's going fantastic. Then a week later, she's like, Everything's gone. Like, as soon as I message you, everything went has gone backwards. I don't, every single dog, every person, it's happened again. What the hell? I thought we were going better. And um, so I said to her, Well, you go right back to the driveway and you practice everything from there. There is no walking. We don't leave the house until you get good behavior in the driveway, then you get good behavior in your street. You don't leave your street until you get perfect behavior in your street. Now you can spend half an hour in your street doing lots of training you can gas a dog out you don't have to go through the world and Not about how it. far you go at all it's the quality of it right yeah. so um so she did that and then she was able to then progress back out into the world and things are kind of going well but it's frustrating right and one thing i sent to her was um it was a um a meme that i saw ages ago i'm gonna pull it up real quickly but it's um it said it had like a to b and it says what success Looks like, and what success—well, um, no, what we think success looks like, and what success actually is—and I'm going to pull it up onto the. Um, oh, there's no A and B, but. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's
1: that's that's what I was
0: referring to. Like, there's exactly. a lot of those floating around. Yeah. yeah. So if if people are just listening and haven't, um, we, we'll try to maybe put a reel up for that one. Is that. Success is not a straight line from A to B upwards. It's um, it's, it's a, a squiggly line, <laughs> like yeah, like a big like knotted kind of. What do you yeah. call those? What's what's a a, a, yarn? No, a yarn? Oh, it's like it looks like um, it looks like a ball of wool almost. Yeah, you know? it's a ball of wool. Knitting, that yarn? knitting yarn. Yeah, it's a yarn, right? So yeah. yeah, so that's that's what you have to go back to go forward. And you know, if everything was perfect, then we, there would be no dog trainers. So you know, and then on top of all of this. You need to reset your expectations of what it is that you're actually wanting to get. Do you need like what do you want your dog to do? And we've spoken about this like endless amount of times. It's probably a good reminder for you all is that you like you want your dog to be normal. What the hell is normal? What's a normal dog? A normal dog's supposed to kill people that they don't know and and fight other dogs and 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 hunt and fight and kill things. So that's normal. Um you know, a normal person like hunts and gathers, um, mm. and like be resourceful within the things that are around them, and like normal isn't sitting in front of a computer talking to a microphone to like thousands of people. That's that's not normal. <laughs> so um, so you have to define what normal is. Define like write down your expectations, what you what you want your dog to do, not what what you don't want them to do. I would suggest being pragmatic with your with your training and your um your obedience. If you're thinking about doing a board and train, I would suggest learning the skills first. Start working on as much as you can prior so that you are equipped and understanding of your why, your how, and your what. Then if you feel like you have a blockage, then the board and train will help the dog's perspective become more clear. Oh, I see a dog over there. I've had a personal experience with other dogs not being what they I think they are and other kids or other stimulus. And then, with your dog having that experience coming back to the training, yeah, they most, most board and trains will do like a, a um, like a, a one hour or two hour lesson with you. But if you're familiar with what dog training is prior and then the dog having his experience because you haven't been able to do it yourself and then you can continue that, like you want to use the, the board and train, not as you send the dog away to be fixed, but to help you on your journey with training the dog because you may not be like, you know, If a professional can probably handle the dog and start doing all the stuff that we need to do. And then after like three, four, five months, the dog's behavior starts to change more on a permanent basis. But while you're still learning how to deal with the reactivity and all the stuff that's involved, you're butchering it while you're trying to teach your dog all at the same time. So there's a bit of a messy situation, but that's also where you get all that experience and understanding. Yeah, I'm going to go back. Like with Casey, she went back a few steps. And then she goes back forward again. So, you know, it's it's not simple. It's it's not stress free. And then also, which may not be the um, the best kind of advice, but there's times where you don't have to take your dog to like dodgy environments. And dodgy is what the dog decides what's dodgy. Um, you know, you can find other ways to enjoy your dog, fulfill your dog, to um to to have the outings without having to, you know, go to your, the the coffee shop. Like if you if you go to the coffee shop and your dog bites people all the time or seven times, you definitely stop going to the coffee shop and probably like muzzle condition the dog and also like teach the dog how to be around people but don't keep going the same place expecting different results. It's just craziness. But you see it often because it's not obvious to people. Actually, in fact, if I had a business coach and a business coach was like looking at all my things, he'd probably like scream at me um, because I'm doing everything um, not wrong but maybe ineffective, inefficient. Um, he 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 probably freak out at me because I call somebody a word. He's like, No, they're a lead. I'm like, it's a person, no, they're a lead. And we have the close yeah. lead, it's like, oh, you see what I mean? So um, when you talk with business people, they have they see terminology. Yeah. Terminology, they see business as numbers and they have graphs and they know the numbers, um, the data. Um I'm not that good at data and stuff. I've just been kind of just doing my thing. Making and, it um, happen. Yeah. Just making it, I kind of been winging it for like 12 years, I guess. Um, <laughs> It's if, worked out. <laughs> it's okay. Now look, I wouldn't say that I've fully been winging it. Like I'm not doing everything wrong. Sure. But, but, but just like somebody who does the YouTube dog training, because, you know, I listen to, I listen to, you know, a few different like business mentors, we'll call them online and stuff just to kind of understand different terminology and understand, oh, I didn't think of doing that. And I'm, trying to, you know, I want to stay in business, right? So mm-hmm. I want to learn more so I can like stay around and adapt around current climate and all that mm-hmm, sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a actual coach because for me, I haven't had a one-on-one actual coach. The reason, actually the reason why um, is if I'm going to spend my money towards something, I want to know who I'm going to spend it towards, but I want to know a little bit of something so that when I'm speaking to this person, I have something to go from. Rather than being completely fresh, don't know anything, and let this person lead me on down down paths. The rabbit are, hole, yeah. Down the garden path, yeah. And it could also be that the guy's giving me absolutely the best information, but uh, I'm overwhelmed as well. Or it could be that the guy just, you know, just ta- like just stringing me along. Um, taking my money, not no. so. So I think as well, same thing. If you listen to this, and then you get a trainer, and the trainer comes out, and you're like, "Oh, how about counter conditioning? We can do some counter conditioning for the reactivity." And they're like, "What's counter conditioning?" And be like, well, "I'm going to fire you." Straight <laughs> <away."> <laughs> a trainer that does not use a marker and food at any part of your training is concerning to me, and it freaks me out. Like, I think it's the most basic fundamental thing. Tell the dog when the dog's going to get a reward. I'm not saying your dog's going to get a reward for every single thing that you do in every single training application. But come on. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just craziness. Um, I can understand in my own way why a trainer trainer, wouldn't put a slip lead on a dog because of their beliefs. But a trainer who would put a slip lead on a dog but won't use a marker, that to me is like, I think, even more ignorant in a way. Um but again, I'm happy to be challenged on that. I'm happy to, for somebody to change my mind, for them to give me my, their perspective of why they would never use food. But um, but you shouldn't rely on food either. You know, it's it it's not very obvious. You don't want to be walking down the street after seven months of training and you're still using food. I'd say you need to start weaning off that. You need to, you know, I, I don't take food on my walk. The so question cool. is, how long
1: do you, ask, ask the owner? I mean, how long do you want to be doing that? Do you want to be doing that for the rest of
0: your life with the dog? Yeah. Maybe not. No, um, and and unless, unless you have food on you because you're like, yeah, we're working on this very specific thing for this. I'm like, oh, well, if you're doing specific stuff and you got your food with you, I'm happy. Go do what you got to do. But there's time in group class where I've seen people that have been coming regularly, and I'll get them get your pouch and put over there in my the boot of my car, and it stays there for the duration of the session unless you need to go there and grab it because you're relying on the food too much. It needs to become natural. Mm. But you use the food to kind of be clear about what you want from the dog. So, look, there's so many more things that we can talk about reactivity. It's been a while since we've just solely spoken about reactive behavior in dogs. Um, so, it's – um, and also, yeah, where to begin. Like, that seems like a lot of things to start beginning. But again, you know, a lot of the times we're talking about the the, the theory and the the clinical side of the training. But we also need to learn about the feel, the craft of it, mm. the art of it. You know, mm. you got to be a certain type of person, and, um, and and in saying that as well, some people just don't have that naturally. They either have to step up and grow into that, or they, um, or they have to have a conversation with themselves and their family or whatever to be like, have, have you know, do we have the right dog for the situation? Mm. Um, our current situation, o- also the family chat of like, are we doing enough for this dog? Like, are we actually like giving him what he needs? Mm. Because it sounds like he's like not much is going on in his life, like the people that you see that are most reactive and the most problematic don't have much going on in their life. So they just get triggered by anything. So, um, so yes, yeah, so it's a good many, point. Yeah. Um, many factors that come into this and um, yeah, I'm going to stop it there. Otherwise I'm just going to keep, keep, um, keep going down my own rabbit hole, but my list ran out right from the beginning. So <laughs> I've been running off the top of my head. Not that I need a list for this, but but I do want to make sure that even as a podcaster, I want to make sure that what information is going into your ears goes into your brain and into your hands so you can start doing stuff. Like, you know, we're giving away um, what what we know because because people do some weird shit, man. Like the advice that, they, that I hear um, is crazy. Oh, another thing I want to um, share on the show was that I do put um, – I do say what I would – I do – what I say I would do. And what I mean by that is Christmas evening, seven o'clock. I'm riding chili. Admittingly, I've had a few drinks. I'm riding the bike. Chili's off the leash. I've got his leash on me. I'm riding going, Oh, it's so so relaxing. Such a relaxing <laughs> afternoon. And then I see this freaking husky shepherdy sort of thing just running down the hill. Beelining it straight for Chili with his teeth out, like, ah, like, you know, I'm um, showing aggressive behavior. And yeah. I'm like, shit. shit. <laughs> so I hop off my bike. I'm on my blood in my slides as well. And normally, my rule is you leave the house in, in enclosed shoes in case you need to fight somebody or run after someone or run away from someone. You don't want to be doing that in slides like, like an idiot. Uh-huh. But again, I was lazy. I wasn't expecting a fucking drama. So um, anyway, I hop off the bike. I'm like, get your dog. And she's like, it's not my dog. And I'm like, damn. So, anyway, so, I jump in front of this dog and like big body language. This is Christmas left. Day? Christmas evening, bro. Oh, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, like the sun C- was just Christmas about to Eve set. Christmas Eve or
1: Christmas Day?
0: Christmas Day. Christmas, Christmas night. Day in the nighttime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, like seven o'clock so the sun was sure. still up. Sure. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So, I jump off the For bike, our I northern jump- listeners
1: <laughs> who might be thinking, hey, why is the sun up at
0: yeah. seven o'clock? Yeah. freezing cold? It's, it's the middle of, of summer, summer right now. Yeah. Middle of summer, the best. So, I jump in front of the dog. Dog's trying to like bite me and- Whoa. But I kind of call his bluff, so I kind of lean into him a bit more. Because, again, I'm going to put my hands onto his collar if I had to so he doesn't bite chili, right? And if he bites me, then so be it. And um, anyway, so I kind of staunch him. He kind of goes a run around me. Mm-hmm. I spit, spin my body to kind of catch him, just like that spinning back elbow I was talking about before, like same sort of technique. Right. I use my footwork to spin around, but then and while I'm spinning around, lead comes off me. I've made my, it's just an ordinary leash, flat leash, but I make it a slip lead. And then while the dog's tripping on how my body's moving to get to Chili, because Chili's behind me, I la- like I throw the, the slip lead over him, like basically like a lasso, like a cowboy. And then while the lead's on, the dog's come for my face and I've like correct, like had to pull him away from me. And then he went up for my hand and I just kind of like popped the lead and I just told him no. And then the dog just sat there. <laughs> He's like, what the? Really? F-? He's like, what is this? So he wasn't serious, serious. In terms of what I know, serious to be like if all bark, no bluster. Oh, no, all bark, a... no bite. Yeah, exactly. I've never heard the bluster before. Um, I so, think bark um, and bluster means the same thing. That's why oh, I was oh, cool. myself. Yeah. So, um, so with this dog, yeah, he may have bitten people before, but they may not have been the same as like everyone watching thought this was the most intense situation ever. For me, I'm like, oh, the dog just doesn't know what to do, and he's freaking out. Mm. He saw Chilly, he's scared of him, he runs over to go bite him. Mm. That's basically what's happened. Anyway, so Chilly's was on the down. The lady who'd been chasing this dog down the street, she's like hyperventilating, laying on the ground now. The lady that was chasing that lady was helping her while the original lady was on the phone to the ranger. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, hey, they're like, oh, panels, yeah, we start chatting because I kind of know some of the rangers in the area. And I'm like, Are the hey, rangers on
1: call? Like how does that work?
0: Yeah, so they're, they're subcontracted. By the council, I believe. So they're like the same. So there's George a phone animal. number that
1: people can call if they need yes. help or
0: yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, so I'm speaking to him. He's like 25 minutes. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to wait then. So in that time, lady recovers. She's freaking out. The dog is going to get put down and, and he's going to die or something. I'm like, no one's putting the dog down. It's all good. Relax. All right. And then um, anyway, so the ranger comes. We get the dog into the thing, and um, this whole family, you know, they're out of the air They're from out of the area you know, type of family that are, like, really, like, scared of dogs and stuff, right? So, they're like, yeah, they're, like, cheering, thought it was, like, a a mad time. I'm riding off with chili. Um, And they're like, chili, chili, as they write down. So, it was a a fun experience, right? Um, You know, I was quite adrenalized as well, right? The whole situation, you know, you're pumping, your hands are shaky, but you keep your cool because, again, it's something that is normal. I've dealt with this so many times actually in fact I've dealt with like 10 times worse situations than this so so but again perspectives a thing right this lady had a panic attack where for me I'm like oh, just I'm just gonna stand here and wait so it's all perspective some people she's never seen that
1: right? before though right? she's never
0: seen it before right mm-hmm. She's she's a bit more emotional as a person um, you know and also she's been running and it's been hot so mm-hmm. like there's, there's so many different things you can't just judge yourself running on Christmas Day that's dedication. No, she was running after the dog. She saw the dog oh, on the right, street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Anyway, so I'm at home, 8.30 at night, and I'm getting this phone call, phone call. I'm like, who's calling me at 8.30 on a Christmas day, like random ranger? number? No, nah, I answer and it was the owner. He's like, hey, I'm um, like- you know, How do you get ranger. your number? I- I'm sure the ranger shared my number with him, probably. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Um, well, he probably would have said, Nucha's pooches. you has got to type that in. On oh, okay. There, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. And um and I've only got one phone, so I don't I'm okay. Not a, drug, not a drug dealer with two phones, right? Um. So mm. he's calling, calling. I answer. He's like, "Man, how did you get him? He bites so many people. He attacks dogs all the time. Uh, you know, um, people can't even come over with him without him trying to bite them. I'm like, how did you do it? And I'm like, oh, I'm a dog trainer, so I guess it's it's like it's it's something that I do. Um, I'm, I'm help.
1: How <laughs> can I help do. you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a lovely guy. He was surprised. And I'm like, and anyway, I was telling the lady because the lady was saying, oh, people left the dog run free. They're trying to get rid of it. And I'm like, no, the dog's still got his collar with his name on it. The dog's name is Cavallo or something. It's like, he's no person who lets a dog run like run free. They don't do it in Monterey. You take him to like the bush somewhere and you let the dog run away. Um, and the dog's got his collar on. If you're going to let the dog run away, you don't keep his collar on. So like, it's, it's all good. I'll go, I bet you. I bet you it's Christmas day. A visitor came over, left the gate open. I'll put money on it. I'm speaking to the guys like, yeah, my daughter's friend left the gate open. She thought she closed it. Dog ran away. Mm. It's like, it's straight up. Anyway, he's like, how can I help you? How can I thank you? How can I thank you? And I'm like, I don't know, just train your dog and do some cool stuff with him and just make sure the gates close. I don't need anything from you. Um, But, um, but you have to be ready to, to, um, to act when you see something. And if you're not prepared, I don't know what to do. But the reason why I want to bring this up, of course, we're dealing with like, you know, talking about reactivity and aggressive sort of behaviors. This wasn't a training opportunity. It was more of a, let's just manage the situation, get the dog home safely um, and make sure that, you know, members of public are, are looking after themselves. But, and maybe we're going to do a whole episode on this. So this is, I'm going to write this down right now. Like um, how to deal with, dog attack okay so that's going to be one of the episodes that we do because it's it's hard but i will start off by saying how if i was to ask you luke how are you how will you stop a physical altercation with another man you're walking down the street and a man wants to fight you well you're going to have a lot of questions well how old's a guy um what's he wearing does he have a weapon um how's he posturing does he look confident is he old Um, Let alone what attack does he do? Is he he punching me? Is he kicking me? Is he going to tackle me? Um, Then, and then even if he knew all that information, then well, what is your what's your technique going to be? My -hmm. point is, it's very complicated question to ask it's especially not somebody yeah it's like
1: how long's a piece of string right
0: yeah so then for me to go oh this is how you defend yourself when a dog's trying to attack your dog i don't know how to explain like answer that but i gave you one example with that dog just then and how i dealt with it now i had a couple of other things up my sleeve if the dog was going to be a bit more serious i've got a bike i'd use my bike as a barrier to block me and my dog i'd probably keep and again the thing about chili is that when we have a dog trying to like attack me or like is reacting to another dog, and I kind of have to correct him. Chili mm. decides to herd us. He just circles us with like hackles up growling. So it <laughs> doesn't make the situation any easier sometimes. <laughs> well, um, so but yeah, Chili stayed back in this case. So my point there is that it's it it takes a lot of practice, it takes understanding dogs, understand yourself, how you act under pressure. If you're not willing to get bitten, don't jump in, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But we're gonna do we're gonna answer that in the next episode that we do together. Um, and I'm gonna stop right now. I've got to get ready to go to work. Yeah, sure you need to do some work too. I'm fully awake now, so cool stuff. Um, got me, um, got me all um, fired up for the day. But hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you're still listening after us rambling on, um, much love to you all this year. As I said, I'm gonna try. We're gonna do our best to get as many guests on as possible. We're just gonna pump out guests. We wanna, I wanna, um, I wanna improve my game in terms of understanding perspective. I want you guys to be listening to other people, not just us talking about dogs and their behavior. And their training so if you have any guest ideas or people that you want to love to listen to send them through DM us on instagram or life with your dog at gmail.com is our email address any suggestions flick them through i'm always keen to hear um to um to learn more about people that i haven't known about because i know my circle of dog trainers and people that we know but i don't mind having and also if you're a random agent that's sending me random dog trainers that want to be on our podcast um, give us a bit more information about that because some people just send through, Hey, you should l- speak to this person and speak to that person. I want to hear from actually our listeners, not random agencies. So just thought I'd put that out there too. If those agencies oh, are listening. yeah. Where they're like plugging someone. It's like, no. yeah. They, and they annoy you. How many yeah. emails? I was like, leave me alone. I don't know that person. I don't want to speak to them. <laughs> so, um, but um, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks. Um, Thanks again for listening. And bro, it's been good to see you again. Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: Good to see you. You as well, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll see you next time. Laters.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training. My website, npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like
1: to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, canin au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna K9 training.